All right, hi, this is Roland Fisher, lead pastor of Second City Church, and we hope that you're well. Welcome to our online service. We hope you leave today encouraged, full of faith, and ready to take the kingdom of God wherever you may go. This is actually a special Sunday, where at the end of service, we'll be celebrating the sacrament of communion. So if you need to, please take a moment and step away to get a cup of juice and maybe a piece of bread. We'll celebrate at the appointed time and give you instruction on how to do so together. But we just wanted you to know that we're so glad that you've chosen to join us today. And once again, welcome. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Second City Church. My name is Cole Parlier. I'm associate pastor here at the church, and I'm so excited to begin this new year of 2021 talking to you guys and how God is going to take us. Yes, this is the focus point, how God is going to take us from bitterness to betterness. That's right. From bitter to better. So from the year 2020, whatever has built up in your soul that you need to let go today, we're going to address it. And God is going to set you free so that in Christ Jesus, you can become better and receive all that God has for you in the year 2021 and to bring his plans to fulfillment this year. So our focus point today, if we want to put it simply, is when we trust God and his plan, he will take us from bitter to better. All right, guys, well, let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for all things because you at all times are always on your throne and you are always good. Thank you, Heavenly Father, for letting us be a part of your plan. God, we ask now that you would open our hearts and our minds to receive the truth of who you are, the truth of what you've done and what you're going to do and how you're going to use us as a part of it. We thank you, Heavenly Father, in Jesus name. Amen. So guys, today I'm excited to share with you a prophetic word that I believe God has given us as a church at Second City Church for 2021. And to make sure I get it right, I'm going to read it to you right now. And then we're going to jump into the word of God and look at the life of Joseph. All right, you guys ready? All right. So for 2021, I feel like the Lord is saying to Second City Church that God is giving us the choice to get better or get better. He is saying, we have the choice to remain in fear of life's uncertainties, harboring anger and bitterness toward God for the circumstances he allowed that caused us pain in 2020. This choice will be justified in the eyes, hearts, and minds of an unbelieving world. And this choice will drive you into self-reliance and able to receive God's word and plans for you in 2021. That's if we choose to be bitter instead of get better. But he also says we have the choice to get better in 2021 by believing and trusting in God's redeeming plan that comes only through faith in Jesus Christ. He is the God of all comfort, who also disciplines and prunes those he loves so that we may be even more fruitful. This lasting fruit brings God, our Lord and Savior, much glory, and it brings us as people much joy. So guys, this year we have a choice to either be bitter about 2020 and all the things that happen, or we can get better and be shaped by it for God's purposes. So guys, the way we're going to do that today is we're going to go, we're going to read Genesis 50, and we're going to look at the life 
of a Joseph. So we're going to the very end of Joseph's life and to see the culmination of everything he went through and what it added up to and what his response was so that we also can be people of faith responding to God as he is and not how our flesh and how the devil wants us to respond. So guys, turn with me to Genesis 50. Well, actually, before we even read, what you need to know if you haven't read Genesis up to this point is that Joseph, as a young man, he had many brothers and they were jealous of him because of the favor that his father had uh, for him. And so they actually sold him into slavery. You want to talk about a reason to be bitter? Oh, his family betrayed him and literally sold him into slavery. Okay. So not only was he sold into slavery and ended up down in Egypt, but when he finally, through uh, persistence and through faith, was in a position to where he was actually serving uh, one of Pharaoh's high officials, Pharaoh, that official's wife actually accused him of rape falsely, and then he was thrown into prison. After that, you want to talk about a reason to be bitter? Oh, my plans, everything I'm trying to be better is just not making a difference. We could think that, right? And then eventually, through faithfulness and persistence, God brought him into a place of power, second only to Pharaoh himself. And that's where we pick up this story at. So read with me. Genesis 50, verses 1 through 26 says, Then Joseph fell on his father's face and wept over him and kissed him. And Joseph commanded his servants, the physicians, to embalm his father. So the physicians embalmed Israel. Now Israel was Joseph's father who had just come through a famine to Egypt to uh, be saved from the famine because Joseph could take care of them from his position of power that God had given him. But finally, when he gets there, Joseph didn't have much time with him. He ended up dying. So that's what we're talking about now. So 40 days were required for the embalming, for that is how many are required for embalming. And the Egyptians wept for him 70 days. And when the days of weeping for him were past, Joseph spoke to the household of Pharaoh, saying, If now I have found favor in your eyes, please speak in the ears of Pharaoh, saying, My father made me swear, saying, I'm about to die. In my tomb that I hewed out for myself in the land of Canaan, there shall you bury me. Now, therefore, let me please go up and bury my father, then I will return. So Joseph went up to bury his father. With him went up all the servants of Pharaoh, the elders of the household, and all the elders of the land of Egypt, as well as all the household of Joseph, his brothers, and his father's household. Only their children, their flocks, and their herds were left in the land of Goshen. And there went up with him both chariots and horsemen. It was a very great company. When they came to the threshing floor of Atad, which is beyond the Jordan, they lamented there with a very great and grievous lamentation. And he made a mourning for his father seven days. When the inhabitants of the land, the Canaanites, saw the mourning on the threshing floor of Atad, they said, This is a grievous mourning by the Egyptians. Therefore, the place was named Abel Mizraim. It is beyond the Jordan. Thus his sons did for him as he had commanded them. For his sons carried him to the land of Canaan and buried him in the cave of the field at Machpelah to the end to the east of Mamre, which Abraham bought with the field from Ephron the Hittite to possess as a burying place. After he had buried his father, Joseph returned to Egypt with his brothers and all who had gone up with him to bury his father. When Joseph's brothers saw that their father was dead, they said, It may be that Joseph will hate us and pay us back for all the evil that we did to him. So they sent a message to Joseph saying, Your father gave this command before he died. Say to Joseph, 
Please forgive the transgression of your brothers in their sin, because they did evil to you. And now, please forgive the transgression of the servants of the God of your father. Joseph wept when they spoke to him. His brothers also came and fell down before him and said, Behold, we are your servants. But Joseph said to them, Do not fear, for am I in the place of God? As for you, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good, to bring it about that many people should be kept alive as they are today. So do not fear, I will provide for you and your little ones. Thus he comforted them and spoke kindly to them. So Joseph remained in Egypt, he and his father's house. Joseph lived 110 years, and Joseph saw Ephraim's children of the third generation. The children also of Machir, the son of Manasseh, were counted as Joseph's son. And Joseph said to his brothers, I am about to die, but God will visit you and bring you up out of this land to the land that he swore to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob. Then Joseph made the sons of Israel swear, saying, God will surely visit you, and you shall carry up my bones from here. So Joseph died, being a hundred and ten years old. They embalmed him, and he was put in a coffin in Egypt. And Pharaoh answered, Go up and bury your father, as he has made you swear. All right, guys. So we're going to talk about the story of Joseph as an example of how God is going to take us from bitterness to getting better. So what we see here is that Joseph had tons of reasons to be better. His family had betrayed him. He was sold into slavery. His righteousness was not rewarded. He was actually falsely accused and sent back into prison. And then those in prison who he served that were supposed to represent him to Pharaoh and say, don't forget about him. They forgot about him. So he was abused, abandoned, forgotten. And yet God used all of that to make the man that he was and to bring him to a place where God could use him to actually save his own family that betrayed him and actually bring them back to repentance. So the first thing we need to know, point number one, to move from bitter to better, we must trust God with what was lost. I'm going to say it again. We must come to a place of trusting God with what was lost. When we trust God with what we've lost or which is true and we feel has been taken from us, we are acknowledging God's sovereignty and at the same time, we're making room for his redemptive plan in our hearts. So it's imperative that just like Joseph and just like Jesus, that we say, Lord, forgive them for they don't know what they've done. They've been They've been used by the enemy for evil, but what they meant for evil, you meant for good. So we have to trust God. Trusting God with our losses is not approving of evil. Trusting God with our losses is not empowering the evil one. And trusting God with our losses is not diminishing the real pain caused by loss. It is simply acknowledging a good and powerful God who is at work in a fallen world. When we read the scripture about Joseph and how his father died once he finally got down to Egypt and Joseph was able to reconnect with him, do you see how long it says that they wept? At first there was 70 days and then they took a long trip and then they stopped for seven days as well. And they were weeping and lamenting over the death of Joseph's father so much that the place was renamed to memorialize it. So we must trust God even in the midst of our lamentation of what was lost. And he will help us do it. The pain is real and God knows it 
and he will touch you. And even in the weeping, he will help you trust him if you keep your eyes on him and do not give away to bitterness. He will make you better for it. We can trust God with our losses also by not speaking evil of him, okay? Or cursing those with whom we're used to do the evil to us. We must mourn with hope in God's redemption. Amazing quote here by Charles Spurgeon, the famous preacher. He said, be careful, dear friends, that you do not misrepresent God yourselves. You who murmur, you who say that God deals hardly with you. You give God an ill character. When you look so melancholy, worldlings say the religion of Jesus is intolerable. And so you stain the honor of God. So even though our pain is real, the loss is real, we cannot dishonor or stain God by speaking evil of him, by speaking things that are not true of him. James 1.13 is very clear, and it tells us that God has never done evil, nor can he. It is not possible for God to do evil. Guys, this must become a pillar in a column where we are deeply rooted not only in the love of God and the power of God, but the character of God. So whenever something comes to our mind that says God has done wrong by you, no, it is not true, and we cannot give it place in our hearts or in our minds. God cannot do evil. He does not do evil, and we can rely on that as we trust God with our losses. Therefore, bitterness will not be able to take root if we remember that. We also must remember that God, according to Scripture, is working all things together for our good. He is taking every abuse, every abandonment, every pandemic, every famine, every job loss, every loss of life, every loved one, every miscarriage, and he is weaving it all together. And he is doing something beautiful and wonderful with it. But the only way that we can trust God with it is through the eyes of faith and seeing that even Jesus Christ, the Son of God himself, came and laid down his life, the only sinless one dying for sinners so that he could forgive it and so that he could redeem it. Doesn't matter what you're going through today, God knows about it and he is using it for your good and for his glory. He has not done evil, he cannot, and not only that, he is working it all together for your good, nothing left out. Romans 8, 28 through 29 says, and we know that for those who love God. So the question today is, do you love God? Do you see the love of Jesus Christ that nothing can separate you from his love, that he would lay down his life for you while you were still sinners? That nothing could separate us from the love of God. We know that for those who love God, all things work together for good. For those who are called according to his purpose, for those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son in order that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. God knew what you were going to go through and God knew what shaping would happen in your heart and in your mind as you went through it. And he allowed it to happen, not because he's evil, but because he is forming Christ 
in you so that in the future coming ages, he can pour out every blessing on you and you will be able to steward it with all faith. Guys, this is amazing. God wastes nothing. It is all redemptive. We can trust God with our past. We can trust God with 2020 and everything that happened in it. Um, quick example, you guys remember Peter and Judas, right? Two of the 12 apostles, right? Peter went on to be uh, the apostle that actually declared, you're the Christ, you're the living one, and ended up being the apostle to the Jews and ended up also being the one that God spoke to, to say, hey, the Gentiles are a part of this, what I've made clean, don't you dare call unclean. And so God used him mightily for his redemptive plan, right? And then Judas, on the other hand, he actually walked with Jesus, saw everything that was going on, but was overcome by the evil one and actually chose to get bitter about it and sold Jesus for some pieces of silver to the Pharisees so that they could uh, wrongfully accuse him and take him to the cross. Judas ended up committing suicide. Peter ended up being used mightily by God. But the thing about Peter we have to remember is that just like the other 12, Peter deserted Jesus in his biggest time of need on the cross. But Jesus came to him and Jesus restored him. And through much weeping, Peter realized what he'd done when the rooster crowed three times. And some of us are like that as well. But I'm telling you, we do not have to go the course of Judas and we can go the course of Peter. We can lament, we can be restored, and then God will use all of those things that happen to us to form Christ in us and to bring about his good for us and through us to the world around us. This quote by famous pastor and evangelist F.B. Meyer says that, as we pour out our bitterness, God pours in his peace. So today as we move on, will you pour out your bitterness to God and trust him and make room in your heart so he can pour the peace of Christ and his redemption into it? So the second point today, guys, is to move from bitter to better we not only must trust God with what has happened, but we must thank God for what was gained. We trust him with what we lost and we thank him for what we gained. And I want you to take just a moment. I want you to think about all the losses, but also I want you to ask God to reveal to you all of the things that were added to you this year. It's different for all of us. Some of us learned new skills. Some of us had more time with our family because of the pandemic, right? Some of us pressed into social justice causes that just were not even in our mind because we're not a part of the group that's been affected, right? There have been many things that God has added to us that cannot be taken away. So God used the slavery and the famine in Joseph's life to bring blessing to Joseph while fulfilling his redemptive plan for the world. So Hebrews 12, 15 through 17 says, See to it that no one fails to obtain the grace of God, that no, quote, root of bitterness springs up and causes trouble, and by it many become defiled. Guys, we can fail to obtain the grace of God, but one of the ways we obtain the grace of God is by thanking God for all the good that he has done. So today we want him to open our eyes. Now, guys, I felt like God showed me that gratitude is the shovel that digs up the roots of bitterness. I'm going to say it again. Gratitude is the shovel that digs up the roots of bitterness. So when we come to God and we say, God, this has been hard, but thank you for what you've done in me. Thank you for the intimacy I've had with you. Thank you for transforming me and even redeeming things around me. Bitterness will get dug up. 
Now, this shovel of gratitude, it can be very heavy. Anybody with me? Right. It can be hard to find the good sometimes in what's going on if we're just looking with the, uh, the eyes of our flesh or our carnal minds. So it can be a heavy shovel, but faith is the muscle behind the shovel of gratitude. And the object of our faith is Jesus. When we, by faith, ask God to open our eyes to see his good plan, he is pleased to do so. So it will take faith sometimes to see what God has done, but he is pleased to do so. And he will increase your muscles so that you can lift that shovel and you can dig up that root of bitterness. And then you can help others do it as well. See to it that no one, starting with you, but then those around you as well, do not fail to obtain the grace of God and get that root of bitterness out. Now, when we remind people of the gospel of Christ's redemptive work on the cross and resurrection, we are helping others with our faith to dig down deep and uproot that ugly bitterness that defiles many. That's right. We have a responsibility and a joy to help others get free. And it will actually further your gratitude and your freedom from bitterness as you do it as well. Now, if bitterness is not dug up, like the scripture says, it will spring up. Okay, I'll say it again. If it's not dug up, it will spring up and will defile not just you, but your sphere of influence. You have to make a choice to employ gratitude or let bitterness take root. There is no middle ground. We're either digging it up all the time, because trust me, you know this, every day there are opportunities to get bitter without the eyes of faith, right? And without giving thanks in all things for this is God's will for our life and forgetting what he is forming in us and through us uh, as we do so. Now, Mark 10, 29 through 31, Jesus says, Truly, I say to you, there is no one who has left house or brothers or sisters or mother or father or children or lands for my sake and for the gospel who will not receive a hundredfold now in this time houses and brothers and sisters and mothers and children and lands with persecutions and in the age to come eternal life. But many who are first will be last and the last first. This is God's redeeming work that Jesus Christ is talking about. When we endure hardship and we choose to thank God and see his redeeming work and be a part of it, he gives us, as some have said, double for our trouble. Well, but this is a hundredfold, right? for what we have lost with persecutions, of course, because righteousness will always be persecuted by the world and the first will be last and the last first. So that is part of redemption at work in the promise of God. So as we move on thanking God from what we gained, now to move from bitterness to better, we must build on what remains. So to go from bitter to better, we must build on what remains because God is the Redeemer. He doesn't just redeem some things. It says that all things will be made new in that day when Jesus returns. And he's doing it little by little in each of our hearts around us as we let him. Because God is the redeemer, he can and is always building, even when the world is destructing. Okay, no matter what we see going on around us, pandemic, job loss, economy, um, uh, just broken relationships, even when the enemy is destroying, God is building and we can count on that. Now, what we see in Joseph's life is that Joseph's brothers destroyed their family. They sold their little brother into slavery. They broke their father's heart. They told, they lied to him and told him he was mauled and killed by a wild animal. So Joseph's brothers destroyed their family. And yet God, the Redeemer, turned that same family into a large nation, which became the earthly lineage of God's one and only son, Jesus Christ, 
who would make salvation available to the whole world. That is ultimate redemption. That God would take what was intentionally by man, used by Satan, and use it to bring salvation to the world. And that is what we can build on because God had promised it and we can build on God's promises. So what remains is God. What remains is his promises. What remains is the church, the community of believers that are rooted and grounded in love, born again. We can remain and we can build on those things which remain. Now, at the end of Joseph's life, he became a prophetic voice to God's redeeming plan of salvation for his family, stating that God would deliver them from Egypt. And it was according to the promises God had made to Abraham many generations before him. God is faithful. We can build on what remains, which is God's promises to bring salvation to the world through Jesus Christ by grace through faith and using us to be a part of it if we will allow him to. Now, God brought his one and only son, Jesus Christ, into the world not to condemn the world, but to save it. But we can't stop there. He didn't come to save us in our sin. He came to save us from our sin, which means that he's going to do away with it and then he's going to redeem it. We have to have that as a bedrock, as a pylon pillar that goes down deep that he is a redeemer and we can build on that and we must always look through that. Now, because of the power of Christ's sacrifice, we can leave 2020 at the foot of the cross. I'm challenging you now. Take 2020, right? Trust God with what was lost. Thank God for what was gained. And now we're going to build on what remains, which is his promise for redemption. And we're going to do that by leaving it at the foot of the cross where the blood of Jesus pours out and covers it and uses it for good. And he promises to one day bring justice to all the unrepented evil that was done in the past as well. And we can trust that. Now, when we are pruned and shaken, we are blessed to see what is at the core. That's one thing else we can build on. If we've been shaken this year and we've been surprised at our reactions, this is the opportunity now to come to Christ. If you've realized Christ is not at the core, his promises are not what you're building your life on. You've been on shaking and shifting sand. Now is the time to come to him. Let the power only that he gives by his spirit and the cleansing of his blood, not only redeem your past, but redeem you today. He wants to do that for you. Now today, the invitation that we have here is that if you are lost and bitter, come to Christ. He's the rock of ages and the only redeemer who leads you into eternal life. Now to the believer, don't miss the grace of God. Do not allow bitterness to take root. This is not God's plan for your life. He does not want you bitter. He wants you better. Trust him, thank him, and build on God's promises in Christ that are trustworthy. Now let's pray. Father God, we as a church, we trust you with what was lost and what was taken in 2020. God, we thank you for all that was added in 2020. We ask that you would open our eyes right now to see it, and then to be filled and overwhelmed with your mercy, even in turmoil. Help us to thank you, God. And God, we ask now that you will reveal to us Christ more clearly in your promises and that we would build on what remains. Oh Lord, let us do this not only as individuals, but as your church, God, one mind, one accord.
In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Well, friends, today, if you have realized that you need Christ, you need his redemption, we want you to go to our website, secondcitychurch.com slash newlife. We want you to let us know about the decision that you've made, what God has done in your life, and we wanna walk with you. We're gonna do this together. So please go do that today. And as you're doing that, let's open our hearts again and let's give God all the praise that he deserves as we move back into a time of worship. All right, what a privilege it is to celebrate this sacrament of communion with you today. And what we're doing when we celebrate the sacrament of communion is we're really honoring the, both the command and the precedent that the Lord Jesus Christ, Christ gave to his church. And the Apostle Paul in 1 Corinthians chapter 11 spoke about it this way, starting in verse 23. He said, For I receive from the Lord what I also deliver to you, that the Lord Jesus, on the night when he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way also he took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. And so therein we have the gospel of Jesus Christ, where God was reconciling fallen humanity to himself through the death, burial, and resurrection of his son Jesus on the cross. And every time we take of this bread, what we're doing is we're remembering the broken body of Jesus for our sins on the cross. So please, if you would now make this both a moment of prayer and repentance. And if there's any way that you need to get right with God or for the very first time, put your trust and faith in Jesus Christ as your resurrected sacrifice savior who came to give you not only new life, but forgiveness of sins and eternal life in him. Do that today. I'll take a moment and then we'll take of the bread together. Well, Lord, we do just thank you so much for the broken body of your son, Jesus Christ, on the cross. And we do this now in remembrance of him and ask that you would forgive us and draw us near by the broken body of Christ. And as you remember the broken body of Jesus, you can take of the bread. But even as Paul said in remembrance of Jesus' words, that every time we take of this cup, we're declaring the spilled blood of Jesus, the Lord's death until his return. Now, so that you might be brought near through the blood of Christ, you can celebrate the spilled blood of Jesus for you and take of the juice. So Lord, again, we say we honor you for the great sacrifice you made for us at the cross. And we thank you that you didn't remain dead, but because of your innocence, three days later, you rose from the dead to give us eternal life in you. God, help us live worthy of that resurrection life and in the power of that life in Jesus' mighty name, amen. 
We want you to know that we'll be praying for you throughout the week. And we do encourage you to get involved in our community groups where we'll be going deeper in the word and life of God together. If you've not found one yet, please do search our website for both in-person and virtual options. In addition, please also share this link and also invite others who need to hear the good news of Jesus Christ in this next week for our service. But we want you to have a wonderful week in the Lord. Remember that we love you, but God loves you more. And until then, God bless. Have a wonderful week.